When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, and Carl Morris. Visit patreon.com slash positivelytrek to help support the podcast. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thanks to all of you for your support. And now, let the show begin. It's here, the latest episode of Positively Trek, your favorite, I hope, Star Trek podcast. But if not, that's okay. We're just happy to have you here listening to us. I'm Dan Gunther. With me, as always, of course, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how excited are you to talk about Star Trek on this fine Saturday morning? I am very excited to talk about Star Trek on this fine Saturday morning because I haven't really got to talk about Star Trek all week. I've been on vacation with my family. We were in New Orleans. I've been there many times. Until this day, I still can't find Cisco's. I want to eat there, but I cannot find it. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. So first of all, vacation. I'm incredibly jealous. I really want to go on vacation. That sounds lovely. But yeah, Cisco's. I would love to eat there. I had some really good shrimp at Pat O'Brien's. Although I didn't order the shrimp, I ordered something else, uh, red beans and rice, but my daughters had shrimp and I tasted it because they couldn't eat it all. And I was like, that's what I should have got because it was so freaking good. But I did have a hurricane. So maybe that's why it tasted really good because <laughs> I was drinking the hurricane. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. That that usually helps. You know, I, I remember back in the day, Quark's at the Star Trek experience in the Las Vegas Hilton. And I remember really enjoying the food. But in retrospect, I don't know, maybe that was because of the warp core breaches. That might have been what really fueled the enjoyment of the food. <laughs> I don't know. We were there for our honeymoon. We went to Las Vegas for our honeymoon and we ate at Quark's. And I remember we each got a burger and my wife and I looked at each other at that point on the trip. We said, you know what? This is the best food we've had so far on the trip. Yeah, I do remember <laughs> it being very good. I Man, do I ever miss that place. Oh. I know. It's so sad. I wish that was still around. I keep waiting for an announcement of something like that coming back. Mm -hmm. I, I keep looking at the, the newer Star Trek fans, right? The people who have become fans in more recent years because of the Kelvin Timeline movies or the new series. And I just wish they could have experienced the joy of the Star Trek experience at the Las Vegas Hilton. They need to bring something like that back because I feel like fandom right now... There's a lot of new young blood in the fandom that I think could generate a lot of revenue from something like that. So, you know, come on, guys, get on that. 
Yeah, because, I mean, you think about, like, Harry Potter, and they have that experience at the Universal Parks, and now they have, of course, Galaxy's Edge for Star Wars at the Disney Parks. And I think, I haven't heard about it in a while, but there was an amusement park, I think it was in Spain, that was supposed to have, like, a Star Trek area. Something like that, yeah. I haven't heard about that one in a while, if it's even up and running yet. Yeah, I even remember them saying something about one in Jordan, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, there was something way out there as well that was, you know, there was rumors about it, but I haven't heard anything in a long time. Well, what we got to find out, and then we got to go. Yes, absolutely. Well, in the meantime, you know, we can celebrate our fandom, I guess, you know, at conventions and also privately at home. And one way that Eagle Moss is helping people celebrate fandom at home this coming holiday season, I know we're quite a few months out from it yet, but uh, we, we've talked about this in an earlier episode, the Borg Cube Advent Calendar. And there have been a few press releases and that sort of thing that have come out since then. And we've gotten our first peek at what actually is in this thing. So if you recall, it's this big, huge Borg Cube with little boxes in it that you can pull out an advent calendar. So 24 different little things in there. And we've gotten our first kind of glimpse at what's inside. So how big is this thing? Because the glimpse inside, it's got what, like a mug? There's a mug. We've got coasters. We've got socks, keychains, little mini posters, all kinds of really crazy stuff. How does all that fit in there? I was, I was expecting little, like really small things. So this isn't, of course, we're not seeing everything. We're just getting a sampling of what's in this, right? Right. They're being very careful. So they say here that they're uh, wanting to keep, of course, most of it secret, but just giving us a little bit of a taste of what's inside. Well, yeah, because I want it to be a secret. I don't really want to know what I'm seeing right now, but I don't mind because it is just a few things. It gives me an idea of the size. I just wonder how heavy this is, too, you know? And I mean, it's so big, I'm afraid there's like a there's going to be like a head in there or something like of a Borg. And it's like a freak me out. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. I think it's pretty cool. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get my hands on one of these, but I would love to. Well, that's the next thing I was wondering. How much are they? Does it say? Okay. So the email that we got from Eagle Moss to talk about this, it's priced at one thirty nine ninety five in the U S and 109.99 British pounds in the UK. So, it's pricey. It's it's a pricey piece, but the other thing they do mention in this press release is none of the things that are in this are available elsewhere. So, you can get this for someone knowing that they won't get a bunch of stuff they already have or if you get it for yourself, same thing, right? So, that's pretty cool. I think it's worth about 140 bucks, like for a whole month, get a little prize and every day, like get up and go, Ooh, it's time for another one. You know, just like getting all excited. Actually, here's the thing. Okay. Don't, don't hate me for this, but <laughs> I'm not that big into Christmas like I used to. And I mean, maybe a lot of adults would say they're not into it as much as they used to as kids, but I'm really at a point where I'm like, Oh, really? It's Christmas again. Didn't we just do this a year ago? <laughs> like, I guess to a point that I'm like, what, 53? So this will, yeah, this will be my 53rd or 54th, whatever Christmas. So I'm like, I've done a bunch of these. This would actually get me excited for the holidays because it's something different I've never done before. And it's all like in my fandom. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I'm right there with you. This looks exciting. I would love to open one of these every single day. They've also mentioned, of course, there's no perishable items in here. It's not, there's no chocolates or anything like that. It's all uh, usable items that you'll get. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Now you've just disappointed me because if there were chocolates in here, I would be all over this even more. <laughs> oh, see, no, I, I don't like, I want the interesting Star Trek things. Like if I want a chocolate thing, there's Lindor, there's all these others, like just go get one of those. If it has a little Star Trek foil wrap, ah, whatever. I want the coasters. I want the little posters and stuff. That's, that's the cool thing to me. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, it's just, I really love chocolate and I always love like the little Santas, like you said in the foil wrap that then you unwrap it. It's still got the outline of the Santa on it or whatever, or an Easter bunny at Easter or whatever that it'd be great to open up one of those. And it's like, Oh, look, it's Picard. And you bite his head off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, why not both? I'm sure we can find some of those for Christmas too. <laughs> yes. I would love that. Definitely. Well, yeah. So like I said, a little bit of a hefty price tag on this, but to me anyway, it looks like it's going to be worth it. So maybe one of us will get one of these and we can discuss each week on the podcast, the little things that, that we got in it or something like that. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I, I guess it's going to be the same prize for every day. Everybody's going to, it's, they're not going to mix it up. Like you get a different one on day one. I get a different one day. I'm sure it's all the same thing. Yeah. We can compare and see what we think. So when does this become available? It is available for pre-order now. So uh, we'll have the link to the shop in the uh, show notes. You can go uh, check that out. They also have, if you're interested, they have a Doctor Who TARDIS advent calendar this year and a Beatles advent calendar. I haven't seen what the Beatles one looks like yet, but I imagine all three of those, there's lots of people on your Christmas list that I'm sure would love them. <laughs> I would love those too. Now, I don't want to do all three, but if they have them around next year, I would go with either the Doctor Who or the Beatles one next year. There you go. You could even just buy all three and then you've got your next three Christmases sorted. <laughs> I thought about that, but I was like, I'm spending a lot of money all at once. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely a hefty price tag for sure. But yeah, definitely the Star Trek one is the top of my list, obviously. But the other two look pretty cool too. So the other piece of news that I wanted to share, and I, I first saw this cover pop up last night on Facebook and the Trek Collective has gone ahead and shared the official artwork for this, for the upcoming Star Trek Deep Space Nine novel, Revenant by newcomer to the Star Trek writing world, Alex White. And I've got to say this cover art, like no other cover art previously, I love this one. This is beautiful. So have you had a chance to look at the cover for this one, Bruce? Uh, about two minutes before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm not good at describing the style, but uh, I love seeing Jadzia and Kira as the characters on the front cover. Yeah, and it's a very stylized looking piece. So there's kind of blues and reds and blacks mixed together. It's not a photograph. It's not like just a retouched photoshopped picture. It looks to be like actual artwork posterized style version with a runabout zooming across the bottom of the image. 
I don't know. It, it's hard to describe exactly. And like everything else, we'll have a link in the show notes where you can check this cover out for yourself. I really, really love this. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I'm just noticing like the lightning and what that plays in the book, if anything. The thing I'm really noticing outside of the artwork is the style of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It is in the style that they used for the relaunch DS9 novels. And this is not part of the relaunch novels. This is taking place during the series. Yeah, this is the first novel in a long time that takes place during the actual series, during presumably the first one of the first six seasons of the series. And yeah, that, I hadn't noticed that. But yeah, they did use the uh, the relaunch style font. Good catch. I guess they just like that that logo for Star Trek Deep Space Nine instead of the one that was used in the series. Yeah, I guess that's just the logo for DS9 going forward. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we do also have the back cover blurb. I don't know that we've mentioned this on the podcast before. I, it doesn't seem familiar to me. So we should probably read it for all of our, our listeners. An all-new novel based on the landmark TV series Star Trek Deep Space Nine from the acclaimed author of A Big Ship at the Edge of the Universe. Jadzia Dax has been a friend to Etom Pritt, the Trill Trade Commissioner, over two lifetimes. When Etom visits Deep Space Nine with a request to rein in his wayward granddaughter Nemi, Dax can hardly say no. It seems like an easy assignment, visit a resort casino while on chore leave, and then bring her old friend Nemi home. But upon arrival, Dax finds Nemi has changed over the years in terrifying ways, and the pursuit of the truth will plunge Dax headlong into a century's worth of secrets and lies. Every time we read these, I don't, I never know how to respond except, ooh, oh, you know. <laughs> or dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but the one thing that jumped out to me is there's no mention of Kira in that. It all is on Dax. Mm -hmm. We do know, yeah, this is going to be a focus on Dax and Kira. So she does play a part in the story for sure. So, yeah, I, I, I always love what to see what they choose to put in the little back cover blurbs. Yeah. I just wonder if Kira goes along with Dax on this trip or Kira gets involved later or Kira is part of like a B storyline that eventually meets up with the A storyline. I'm just curious. Why won't they tell me now? Why don't they just send me the book so I can read it? So I know, like now. I'm noticing a pattern with you, Bruce. You don't like to, to wait to see the story unfold. You just want everything now. <laughs> I want it all now. Don't tease me unless you're going to give it to me now. It's like holding out a piece of chocolate to me and saying, Bruce, would you like some chocolate? I'm like, yes, not right now. Well, I'm afraid you are going to have to wait until late December on this one. So the release date for this novel is December 21st of this year. So it's the final one of the year coming out. Before that, we've got all kinds of stuff. We've got the Coda trilogy. We've got other Star Trek novels. It's it's shaping up to be a really cool year for Star Trek novels from this point forward. So remember what I said about Christmas? Right now, since this book is coming out on the 21st, that's how I want to spend my Christmas day is just sitting and reading this book. But that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, another way you can spend your time, Christmas or otherwise, is apparently watching Star Trek films on Paramount Plus. Because you were mentioning before we started recording, I guess they've added a bunch of new Star Trek films to that service. Yes, it's kind of a bittersweet thing for me. So 
I'm excited that the movies are there. So it's the first 10 movies are there, all on Paramount Plus, and then Star Trek Beyond is there. But Star Trek 09 and Star Trek Into Darkness aren't there yet. I'm sure they're coming. There's probably some licensing thing that they have with another distributor. I think I saw that one of those films is on IMDb TV and another one is on, and I can't remember, but some other service, FX, has one of the, I think it was Into Darkness was on FX, or maybe it's the other way around. But I'm just figuring that once those play out, they'll probably show up on Paramount Plus, and then all 13 movies will be there. So right now it's 1 through 10, and then Star Trek Beyond. The reason I say it's bittersweet is because I bought the Blu-ray of the first 10 movies so I can finally have them digitally online. I was going to do all the codes and stuff. And then the announcement came out that these movies would probably be there. And I'm like, I just needed to wait. But I love having all the uh, documentaries or I should say the commentaries on mm-hmm. the Blu-rays. So I'm glad I got them because of that piece, at least. So, yeah, if you want to stream on your phone, on your TV or your laptop or whatever it is, and you have Paramount Plus, they're all there and they're in the Star Trek section on Paramount Plus. So you'll see it all with all the series there. I saw an article from trekmovie.com that mentioned that you can find them in the action section if you scroll down the S. Well, it's just easier to go to the Star Trek section than to go to the action section because all your Star Trek stuff will be there. Yeah, for sure. To uh, one of the points you made there, I, I like personally, even though I'm subscribed to services that have Star Trek, I like having physical media for Star Trek specifically. So all the all the films on Blu-ray, I think that's a good thing to have regardless. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. I don't know. I always like and, and like you said, the commentaries and the featurettes and all that sort of stuff. I'm I'm actually surprised that a lot of that stuff hasn't been incorporated into digital online versions. Like it should be easy enough to have a, a, a toggle. You know, you have different languages dubbed for films. You could have a commentary track on a streaming service. And I'm really shocked that that hasn't been a thing yet. Yeah, I don't know why they don't do that because there's many Blu-rays or DVDs that I buy that come with the digital code. And I'll go ahead and use that digital code. And so, yeah, I have the physical media and then I have it through, you know, whatever, Apple TV or whatever. But the movie's there, but not all those special features and not the commentary. I have to put in the disc to get that. And I'm like, well, I purchased the disc and it costs the same to buy it digitally anyway. So why wouldn't you get it, whether it's on disc or on digital media, just have it all there, regardless how somebody purchased it? Yeah. Well, back in the day, I bought The Simpsons on DVD and I was kind of going through the seasons. And now that The Simpsons are all on Disney Plus, I, I really wish the commentaries were there because the, the DVDs, every single episode had commentary and they were hilarious. So, you know, I would love if that was on a streaming service as well included. Well, and maybe that's the kind of gotcha thing is, well... If you want that, you have to pay to get the DVD. So you paid for the service. Now you're paying for the disc. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But. It's like all those like Target exclusive covers or you get one more commentary in this Walmart exclusive or something, you know. Well, moving on to uh, the next thing we want to talk about here. A few weeks ago, we had a second copy of a Star Trek Shipyards book to give away. And we put it out there to our listeners that we wanted you to email us at positivelytrek at gmail.com and tell us what is your favorite ship in all of Star Trek and why. 
and we've got a we got a few responses. So we've narrowed it down to a winner and two runners up. So I'm going to read these now. And uh, Bruce, you haven't read these at all, right? That is correct. Yes. Okay. So this will this will be your first time hearing these, and we got uh, we got great answers, but uh, there's one in particular that floated to the top. I think so. We'll we'll get to that. We'll save that one for last. But in the meantime, uh, here's our two runners up. Uh, so sorry you didn't win, but I did really like your answers. First of all, we have Eddie Galson, uh, who chooses a ship very close to my heart. So he says, I love the Defiant NX-74205. It's a warship, and it shows that the Federation isn't just a Hilton in space, i.e. the Enterprise-D bridge. It's way more than a beefy runabout that was called for. It's the pimp hand of Benjamin Sisko. The ship was badass and really a character of its own. My soul hurt when it was destroyed in the Second Battle of Chintaka, and I was happy to see its successor a few episodes later and how important it is in the novels after the series ends. Exploration is important, but when diplomacy fails, you need a, or several, Mother Trekkin pimp hands to the face. <laughs> so I love the way you put that. Thank you so much, Eddie. Yes. I, I guess I like pimp hand ships too. I there's just something about the Defiant, and I think I mentioned that on an episode with Ben Robinson on. But I don't know. I kind of like small ships. I don't really care for the shuttlecrafts or runabouts as much, you know, because they're a little too small. But it's like I like the idea of the Defiant. It's like a mini starship. I don't know. I think I, I, it's like even when I drive, I, I prefer a sedan than driving like a big SUV or truck. Cause I know people who are opposite. They say, Oh, I like sitting high up and having a big vehicle. I don't know. There's something about small. I feel like I can just move around really quick. Yeah, for sure. The Defiance always been a favorite of mine as well. I'm kind of with you, the big, huge lumbering. I wouldn't want to fly an enterprise D around maybe a Voyager because I'd still get the holodecks then, but I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely pluses and minuses. I mean, a big ship, like you said, with the holodeck, and you can have like more crew on, and it could, yeah, feel almost like a cruise ship, like a hotel, and it could be pretty nice. But I guess that when I picture like a ship that I would want, it's more like, oh, it's just my ship, like what I would just fly around with a few friends, and it would be the Defiant. Well, Daniel Rupp, who is our next runner-up here, went a different direction. I really like this. Uh, he says, I think my favorite ship would be the Klingon bird of prey as depicted in Star Trek IV: the voyage home, the one with the whales. There were many really cool shots of this ship in the movie. There was the shot as it's landing on Vulcan. Okay. That's actually Star Trek three. The ship reminds me of geese when they're landing. Then there's the shot of it hovering over the whaling ship. That was very impressive. When I first saw it on the big screen, the shot of it flying under the golden gate bridge as it's coming in for a water crash landing. Even when cloaked in the park, when the ramp comes down for everyone to come out and the flood of light seems to come out of nothingness. Everyone remember where we parked. How about turning the cargo bay into a whale aquarium, lowering the transparent aluminum into the cloaked ship? I always liked that shot. Has any other ship been given more attention in one movie or episode? That's a good point. I don't feel that we've gotten like at least not an enterprise we haven't really gotten a focus on a different ship like that especially an alien ship like the klingon bird of prey it's very cool yeah star trek 4 was was a lot of fun for that reason for for, for a lot of reasons but for the focus on the klingon ship i think is pretty cool too i like that question 
Has any other ship been given more attention in one movie or episode? I have never thought about that. But yeah, I mean, this ship is not the standard ship that we would get in a movie or episode. And it got quite a bit of attention for sure. Yeah. And I do love the ship, especially that hovering over the whaling ship. That's always one of my favorite scenes. I've always wanted to build a diorama of that scene with like, I don't know what model I would use for a whaling ship. If anybody does a whaling ship scale model, but I would love to like depict that somehow. And yeah, cause it does. It looks like this huge, like Raven, you know, or something like this big bird over the, the ship. I, yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. I mean, I would say if anybody were to ask me, which no one has ever done, but ask me, what is your favorite Klingon ship, Bruce? I probably would say this for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good answer and really appreciated that. But I think the winner has to be Janisha Rana for this amazing email that we got. And it's it's a bit lengthy, so bear with me, but very much worth it. So they write, So my favorite Star Trek ship of all time is one that only shows up for one scene. It's the Luna class, as in the Titan. A weird pick, but come on, doesn't it look beautiful? Just an amazing ship, and I'm bowing down to Mike McMahon for making it canon. My favorite aspect of the ship, though, is the fact that it's supposed to have a much more diverse crew, which means a lot of aliens. One reason that I'm always looking out for new Titan books is so that I can see some Indians, too. I mean, when I saw Adil Hussein come onto camera in Disco Season 3, I lost my mind. Just those tiny things make a big difference, like when Data named his daughter Lal, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, this is a bit of an aside, means beloved in Hindi. The fact that the Titan novels and that one Picard novel try and succeed to show a rich variety of aliens, representation, and more. Ah, great segue, talking about the novels. The fact is, I don't have any, but I have read each and every one back in 2016 at some French relative's house when I was traveling. I hadn't really watched a lot of Trek at the time, but when I saw the cover on the shelf, it just caught my attention, and I remember that when I was planning to go to Switzerland a second time, half of the reason was just to go get a hand on those novels again. And of course, who wouldn't like Captain William T. Riker? Him and his jazz jokes, enthusiasm, frakesness, and his relationship with Deanna Troy. Talking about Deanna, I swear to God, they're the only functional couple in Starfleet, aren't they? Just the adorable tension and the calming nature. My parents act like they're an awkward couple to this day. I'm an online artist and I usually do redraws, so here's one for you. And they sent us a great photo, a great picture of the Titan, which uh, we have in the email. And I'll uh, maybe see if I can share somehow in the show notes as well. But they go on here. I want to talk more about the Titan. I could write a novel, but I'm actually writing this from my hospital bed. Most of my family is in ICU right now, and my grandmother just reached inevitable death stage. But I was actually really happy to listen to you both fill me in on Star Trek and make jokes and be friends along the way. So all I want to say is just thanks. All right. Now I wish I would have read this ahead of time because now I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I. It's Yeah. This is by far the winner to me, I think. And my heart absolutely goes out to you and your family. And thank you so much for writing us. And uh, I I really appreciate this. Yeah, I do too. And I I want to touch on the Titan. I mean, it's so incredible how people love the Titan, that design. And that was designed by a fan, by a contest and uh, some guy named Sean won it. I can't remember his last name. but And that was just to be featured on a cover of a novel. And, and that translated over to 
Star Trek Online and Eagle Moss has made designs of the ship as a model. And now, of course, we have it in Star Trek Lower Decks. So it's amazing how the ship that, yeah, has only appeared once on screen is a favorite of so many people, including, you know, myself. And yeah, great choice. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And yeah, Sean Taranjo, I think, was the designer. I'm not sure. Again, talk about a design that kind of clawed its way from relative obscurity to, like you said, being a favorite of so many people. It's really interesting the kind of route that that design took. So uh, yeah, great answer. Great pick. And uh, it's not my absolute favorite, but it is up there. When I think of great Star Trek ship designs, I think that is a beautiful design for sure. And it works so much that Janesha wants to buy a novel. You know, it propelled that whole, hey, let me grab this novel. I want to go back and get that because of the beautiful ship design. And again, my heart goes out to you if you're listening right now with what you're going through with your family and your grandmother. Absolutely. So we kind of touched on this while we were reading these answers. Our favorite Star Trek ships. Mine traditionally has been, I I usually say the USS Defiant is my favorite Star Trek ship of all time. And it sounds like you're a big fan of that one as well. Are there other ones that rise to the top for you that haven't been mentioned that you would like to shout out as, you know, a favorite or a particular one that has a special place in your heart? I mean, my favorite, and I've said it before, and I think I even said it on last week's show, it really is the refit Enterprise 1701 or then the 1701A. But it's just, you know, it's just the way it's lit and the way it looked on screen, especially in the motion picture. I, it's just beautiful. And I mean, you got to think we're talking back to the late uh, 70s of this design. And ever since then, we've got some great designs of ships, but nothing to me has stood out like that design. I will say from, I guess, a non-canon standpoint, I do like the refit NX-01 that Doug Drexler has designed and I think has been used in the Ships of the Line calendar. Oh, and there's a model. Gosh, see, I like that one. (laughs) Dan's holding up the model right now. I I love the look of that ship because it does kind of have that look of the in-between of the original Enterprise, the refit, and the NX-01 kind of all blended into that one. It looks really cool. Yeah, I mean, the Titan, yeah, that's a definitely the Defiant. Like, all the ones that were just, we read are definitely near the top of my list. I'm trying to think if there's another one. What, what about you, Dan? Well, I first want to say the refit is probably the most gorgeous Star Trek ship design, just as far as looks go. I'm always screaming at the screen during Star Trek, the motion picture that flyby. Why isn't that three times longer? (laughs) I just love, I love that. You know, everyone jokes that it's really, really long. I wouldn't mind a few more minutes. I think that's a beautiful ship. It's, It's hard to say like the original enterprise, the original design is pretty iconic. I love that everything that's come out since has kind of been based on that basic design i think it really holds up but yeah the vet the best version of it definitely the refit um from there i don't know there's there's a bunch i i actually really like discovery it's grown on me it wasn't my favorite to begin with but the more i see it the more i like it and the the klingon bird of prey i know we talked about it already but just of 
all the adversary ships, I think that's kind of my favorite and it's stuck around for a long time. So let me ask you this, of the more prominent ships, you know, without getting too into the weeds of every ship that's appeared in every episode, but the more prominent, well-known ships, what is your least favorite? Ooh. And maybe while you think about that, I'll tell you what mine is. And it's the Enterprise D. I've never been a big fan of the D. I mean, it's not that I hate it, but I mean, it's just, <laughs> I j- it's just one ship that when I first saw it on screen, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then it, it grew on me. But then when they came out with the Enterprise E, I was like, oh, I like that better. Yeah. Of the hero ships, I, I kind of like the Enterprise D. I think my least favorite, and, and it's kind of weird that it's my least favorite, but my least favorite would be Voyager. I think it's a little disproportioned. It's a little weird. The back end seems a little small. That said, if I had the opportunity for like any ship to like own and just tool around in that wasn't like a shuttlecraft or something, it would be Voyager because I would just land it at my parents' farm and like I'd have holodecks and I don't know, I could open it as a hotel or something. I don't know. I like that it's kind of like a galaxy class. It has all the amenities of a galaxy class, but it's kind of a more compact version of it. But yeah, looks wise, it's just my least favorite, which I mean, I like most of them. So I guess it's not that much of an insult. It's just kind of my least favorite looking of them all. No, I mean, that makes sense. Again, it doesn't mean that we don't like them. It's just our least favorite. There's the keyword favorite, right? Our least favorite. I do like Voyager. Again, yeah, to your point, it's not like I would put just in the main series, I'd probably put, yeah, the NX-01 refit at number one. I shouldn't be doing this as we're talking because I haven't thought it through, but maybe (laughs) the NX-01. So the 1701 refit first, the NX-01 second. I'm not talking about the refit, but the one we see on screen. But the refit would go before that. But then as we, you know, dwindle down, I would say Voyager somewhere in the middle and Discovery is in the middle. The Enterprise E is probably around that area too. And then the D is towards the bottom of that list. But I do want to say what something real quick about Voyager is the hull, that shape. This this is going to sound really weird, but our toilet lids are that shape. (laughs) And every time I walk by our toilet, no lie, every time I walk by the toilet and that lid's down, I always think of Voyager, the ship. And I always think, like, wouldn't it be cool to paint the toilet lid to look like the top of the hull of Voyager? So when I really walk by the toilet, it looks like there's the Voyager ship. I always uh, I always think Voyager looks like one of these. I oh, just think spoon. it looks like a spoon. It does. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When- when the show first came out, I'd like fly a little spoon around. I'd be like, oh, it's Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. And now I'm just picturing you with spoons flying around. <laughs> it's not like I went out of my way to do it, but I'd get a spoon out of the drawer to like have a bowl of cereal and I'd be like, ah, looks like Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds a lot better than my toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I'm going to sit on Voyager. <laughs> All right. Too much information. Oh, man. Well, on that note, I think it's probably time to say goodbye for this episode. But uh, thank you all so much for listening. I I really appreciated this. I really appreciated the answers that we got from everyone for uh, this contest. 
And uh, we'll, of course, be reaching out to the winner and, and figuring out how to get the prize to them. Before we go, though, Bruce, where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex, and I recently was on the Expanse podcast about Enterprise, and I was on a recent episode of Star Wars Bookworms about the High Republic, and I've been occasionally appearing on Literary Treks, and I think that's about, oh, you know what, You know, I hang out. You guys probably don't know this, but I am in Trek BBS quite often. I just don't post much. I do a lot of the reading in there. I just, every once in a while, I say something. But just so you know, I am lurking around in there. And of course, in our Facebook discussion group. Excellent. Yeah. Trek BBS, we never bring it up, but I'm in there as well, uh, posting new episodes of the book club on the, the Star Trek literature boards. But I'm also reading a lot of the posts. I don't comment a lot other than those posts. But uh, yeah, if uh, you're a Trek BBSer, Reach out, give us a shout out. We'd love to uh, see who's listening to us over there for sure. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. I'm also on youtube.com slash Productions, And of course, as Bruce said, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, just search for that and we will let you in there. Just agree to the rules and reach out to us, positivelytrek at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Positively Trek and on Instagram under the same name. Thank you all so much for listening this week. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, of course, also to our Patreon supporters. We truly do appreciate all of your help. I'm Dan Gunther. He's Bruce Gibson. Until next time, stay positive. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.